Hey, I'm Josh. Uh, I am from the University of Alabama. Four of you. Cool. Does anyone just hate me automatically because I'm from the University of Alabama? Uh, any Ohio State fans in here? Okay. You don't hate me that much. Any Clemson? Anyone from Clemson or any Clemson fans or anything like that? Okay. All right, cool. Well, this is going to be a fun time. Yeah, a good time. Uh, no, so I'm Josh. Uh, my wife and I have been at the University of Alabama for three years now. This is Katie over here. Everyone say hi, Katie. And clap for her. There's nothing shows acknowledgement better than loud noises. Um, Katie and I actually met at a SALT conference. So, uh, <laughs> just saying, uh, we've been married for five years now. So, how many of you guys, this is your first salt? Awesome. Awesome. You guys are having a great time, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll really transform your lives. And, and just to encourage you, like, uh, I mean, everything that's been said uh, in the services, like, to really take advantage, this is kind of like an incubation chamber. Like we come into this time in Salt where we're all together. Uh, we have this this massive community of where everyone is pursuing the same thing, Jesus, and and we're all hearing truth uh, that is is from Scripture. The voice of God is speaking to us. So like this is an incubation chamber for us to just excel in our relationship with the Lord, like to grow leaps and bounds. And so I just want to encourage you guys just to put a little force behind everything that's been said in services to really take advantage of, of the time that we have here together. Don't let it pass by. Um, I wanted to uh, just begin by sharing something that's, it is related, uh, but more so it's just really close to my heart. It's something that the Lord's been teaching me a lot this semester. Uh, and so I just want to start by sharing this with you guys. Um, so this is going to sound like a very basic truth. And all of you guys are going to nod your head and say, I already know that. And, and I, I would have been sitting right beside you nodding my head as well. Um, this semester, Jesus has been teaching me that he wants relationship with me. And all of us are like, yeah, I know, duh, Jesus wants relationship. You're a campus pastor and you're just realizing that Jesus wants relationship. But what I've been realizing is, you know, in, in my understanding, I've been saying, yes, Jesus wants relationship with me. But, but the truth was, I was interacting with Jesus in a very different way than what, what I thought I should be acting, you know? Um, I'll give an example. Like, I hear this all the time where uh, I'll ask someone, like, hey, how's your, how's your relationship with the Lord? Uh, and, and someone will say, like, what's the typical answer? Like, hey, how's your relationship with God going? Oh, it's pretty good. Um, well, tell me about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've just been spending some time with them lately, and uh, I've been going to church pretty consistently, going to Chi Alpha pretty consistently. Uh, I've been really faithful in my devotions, so like every morning I've been getting up early, spending time with the Lord. So yeah, my relationship with the Lord is going really well. All right, so if you were to ask me, how's your relationship with your wife Katie going? And I say, pretty good. Uh, I go home and see her just about every night, and, <laughs> and I talk to her. Uh, once a day, and I, I make sure to set aside time to talk to her. So I guess, you know, it's going well. 
right? Like we use these these non-relationship terms to to define a relationship with God, and it just doesn't work. I've also noticed this that that we use terms of progress a lot in our relationship with God. Now, because uh, I'll ask someone, you know, how was your summer? Like, how's your relationship with the Lord? And they'll say, um, well, to be honest, uh, I really just kind of backslidden this summer. You know, I felt like going into the summer I was here, uh, but then, I, I don't know, like I messed up and I, I looked at this or, you know, started having these doubts or whatever, and, and now I just feel like I'm here. And so I'm, I'm really trying to work hard to get back up to where I was. Any of you guys relate to that type of language? Yeah. Plug that into another relationship. Plug that into my marriage with Katie. Man, uh, I really feel like I've backslidden as a husband. What does that mean? What does it mean to backslide as a husband? I have, so I have two kids. Jack, uh, he's two. He's almost three. Uh, yeah, he's adorable. Um, he likes to go through stages, <laughs> like where you know he says no all the time, or he's really clingy, stuff like that. So right now he's in the clingy stage, where he doesn't want us to leave. And he's also in the no stage, so we're kind of double whammy. Um, but if you were to ask me, like... Uh, how are things with Jack? Well, this morning he told me no, and, and so he was here as my son. But, but after telling me no, like, man, it's really, he's down here, so the rest of the day he's going to be working hard to get back up to where he was. You know? So you would ask, like, what has been lost? You know, he was here, but now he's here. What has been lost? Your love for him? No, not at all. What has been lost? I don't know. I can't tell you. Because that's not a relationship language. Progress doesn't have anything to do with relationship us. Now, definitely growth. Like, we, we grow in intimacy. And, and today I want to talk to you about growing in intimacy. And, and you're not in the wrong breakout session. We are talking about Isaiah and the suffering servant. But the thing is, unless we understand first that Jesus wants real relationship with us, then none of this is going to make sense. And we have to begin on the foundation of relationship. And build on top of that. So, I want to ask you guys uh, to consider this uh, and challenge you guys throughout this weekend and, and even the rest of the day to be asking Jesus, what does it look like to have a real relationship with you? Mm-hmm. It may mean that we have to set aside some things that we've held on to for a long time. Maybe it means more than progress. But ask Jesus, what does it look like to have a real relationship with you? And as much as you guys desire to have a relationship with Jesus, know that he desires it infinitely more. Mm -hmm. So you'll find it. Last night, how many of you guys enjoyed last night? That was awesome. It's always funny to me when people respond with woo. (laughs) Like, I do it too, but if it's a one-on-one conversation, like, hey, how are you doing? Woo! (laughs) Pretty good. The things that we do while we're together is weird. Um, yeah, so, man, last night was awesome. Sean, the, the word that he brought was just is really convicting to me, how a Jesus seeks to transform us from the inside out. And so tonight, he kind of gave us a sneak preview into what tonight's going to be about. Uh, but it's how the kingdom of God is upside down. And what's really cool is... Uh, I was given like this much uh, to go on for a breakout session, like what to prepare for. And, and so this is just stuff that the Lord's been laying on my heart. And then sitting through last night, I'm like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't go to that scripture because then I have to stay up all night thinking of what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. 
just because I feel like the Lord is really working all this stuff together. Uh, but have you guys ever heard about that? Like the upside down kingdom of God. Yeah. All right, so a lot of us have heard that. If you haven't, this is basically what it means. I'm not, I'm not going to try to do what Sean's going to do tonight. He's going to do an awesome job. But, um, basically, it means that the things that we value in this world are different than the things that are valued in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That if you take the, uh, the values of the kingdom of God and compare them to the values of the kingdom or the values of this world, one is inverted to the other, right? So if you look at what's important in the world, You'll find success, you'll find wealth, uh, promotion, acclaim, reputation, all of those things. Like, so it's like the road is, is going up, right? We're always trying to go higher and higher and higher and higher in the world. You look at the kingdom of God, and Jesus comes and he, he begins to teach about something very different. Very different than this, this elevation in life. It's actually the opposite. It's going lower and lower and lower. So uh, Jesus says things like this. He says, um, So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, the persecuted, the insulted, the slandered. All right. Are those people that you would say, Oh, I want to be like that guy. He's being slandered. Oh, I wish I could be slandered. I wish I could be insulted. Like Jesus takes the things that, that are, are kind of scorned in the world, and he says, This is what is valuable in the kingdom of God. So it's inverted. It's upside down. Now, a lot of these would be looked at as undesirable by Americans. Um, I don't want to be slandered. Like, I want to be respected. I don't want to be insulted. I want to be thought well of. I don't want to be persecuted. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be poor. I want to be wealthy. I don't want to be a nobody. I want to be a somebody. You know? But we have to reorient our lives to the upside-down kingdom of God. And so, uh, Luke chapter 9.48 says this. I'll just read it to you. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest in the kingdom of God. So Jesus said it himself. That where the, the way of the world is, uh, is to go high, the way of the kingdom of God is to go low. And he did more than teach about this, didn't he? Like Jesus embodied this. Jesus, think about who Jesus was, that he was the king. That Jesus had spent eternity being worshipped by angels nonstop because he was the most glorious being in all of existence. And Jesus stepped down off of his throne and became a servant to us, and he died for us. Who does that? Jesus embodied what it looked like to live in the kingdom of God. And so he exchanged that title of king for the title of suffering servant, which is what we're going to talk about today. So suffering servant comes from the book of Isaiah, chapters 52 and 53. Um, and so we're going to go there. And in fact, if you want to go ahead and turn, uh, I'll just give you a little bit of context. So Isaiah, it's about right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is what? Six sixty something? Mine's six sixty nine. That's pretty close. Six sixty six. Let me see your Bible. NIV? Yeah. 
Let's hang out later. Awesome. So Isaiah was a prophet. Uh, and, and if you don't know, a prophet was basically the mouthpiece of God. God would speak to a prophet, and then the prophet would make these proclamations to the people. So he would speak on behalf of God. And at the time that uh, this, these two chapters are written, um, it's, it's from the standpoint of Israel in exile in Babylon. Okay, And so Israel is, is eagerly awaiting their redemption or their reconciliation. And they know that it will come through a Messiah. And so this is who Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about the promised Messiah that will restore things for, uh, for Israel. Uh, so we're not going to read all of chapter 2. In fact, if you want to go to, sorry, 52. If you want to go to verse 13, we're just going to read through this together. Yes, Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13. And we'll read all the way through chapter 53. Is anyone good at reading? Want to read in NIV preferably? You want to go for it? Go ahead. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. <coughs> like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears are silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was caught off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So for about the next 30 minutes or so, uh, I want to talk to you guys about Jesus, the suffering servant. And, and specifically, 
I want to bring out three things, three implications that this has for us in our lives. So if you're note takers, be looking out for three things. Make space for three things. Um, the question that comes up in my mind is the question why. I ask this question a lot. Why, why was, the, was Jesus uh, forced to suffer? Like, why did he suffer? Why did he do it? Think about that. Just think about your own answer. Why did Jesus suffer? Why did he have to suffer? So if you read, uh, I think it's verse like 4 and 53. Why was he pierced? Uh, it says that he was pierced, right? So why was he pierced? What was the reason? Our trans- yeah, our transgressions. Why was he crushed? For our sins, for our iniquities. Um, the first thing uh, that we're going to talk about is how Jesus suffered for us. So if you're taking notes, Jesus suffered for us. I like asking the question, why? Uh, I think I was that kid when I was younger that would just run around asking my mom why all the time. Um, and Jack isn't at the age where he's asking why yet. But uh, when he gets to that age, I think he and I are going to have some deep conversations. You know, he'll be three asking why, and we're going to go into theology. And all because, like, it all comes down to it. Like, hey, Jack, I need you to go clean your room. Why? Well, because you need to take care of your stuff. Why? Because the Lord has blessed you with all this good stuff, and you need to take care of it. Why? Why has he blessed you? Yeah, because he loves you. Why? Well, Jack, you've just reached <laughs> Why does God love us? Oh, what do you think, bud? <laughs> I love asking the question why, especially uh, when it pertains to the things that God does in Scripture, because I believe that God has done nothing by accident. Everything has a purpose. And when we begin to ask the question why, when we look at the motivations of God, we start to see the character of God. So why? Did Jesus suffer for us? Living in the South, uh, I've, I grew up in Arkansas uh, in like the Southern churches and all that. And now I live in Alabama, so I uh, just got further South, I guess, um, uh, in culture, maybe not in geography. But, um, I, I like asking people the question, like, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And most of the time, the, our, our church answer, our Sunday school answer is, what? For our sins, right? Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And sometimes, uh, depending on your upbringing, the first thing that might pop in your mind is, so I can go to heaven and not go to hell, you know? Like, so Jesus died on the cross for my sins uh, so that I could get into heaven. And that's true, guys. Good news, that's true. That's only half true, though. Why, though, does, does Jesus want to forgive us of our sins? Why does Jesus want us in heaven with him in the first place? Jesus came to earth to restore something that was lost, okay? And so if you, if you track all the way back to the beginning in your Bibles, and you'll see what is lost. <coughs> that man had perfect relationship with God. And it talks about how Adam and Eve, they would walk through the garden with God. Like, just as, as you and I would walk through the garden of the Marriott. <laughs> like, face to face, side by side. Not at the same time. I don't know how that would work. I guess you could... All right. Never mind. But, but they, they would speak to each other. They would hear each other's voice. This is what it was like. 
to interact with God in the beginning. But then something happened, right? Chapter 3 happened of Genesis. The fall of man. Where Adam and Eve chose sin above relationship with God. And that sin did something. It drove a wedge between Adam and Eve and God, the presence of God. And you can see that throughout Scripture, that the wedge remains. Because men didn't interact, or people didn't interact with God the same way ever again. In fact, the only interaction that the people of Israel had with God was through the temple. And in the temple, it was this place that you could come to, if you were not a high priest, you would just come to the outer courts. You'd make sacrifices, all of that stuff, but you would never go into the inner courts. Now, in the inner courts, that was a very special place. And they had this, this room that was called the Holiest, or the Holy of Holies. And, and this room was where the, the manifest presence of God dwelt, locked up in a room where no one could get to it. And standing in between the presence of God and the people of God was this thick veil that was symbolic of the thick veil that stood in between us and the presence of God through sin, right? And only one person could go behind the veil. It was the high priest. He'd go back there once a year to make a sacrifice on behalf of Israel. That was how people interacted with the presence of God for years and centuries until Jesus and something, something happened with Jesus. And Jesus comes and begins to teach about this kingdom of God. And, and everything that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God is, is more than just a set of rules to follow. Okay, guys? Like he's teaching us how to live in relationship with God. If you want to live in relationship with God, then, then be meek. You know, like lower yourself. Do this, do this. And then ultimately... He didn't just teach us about how to be a servant, how to surrender to God. He himself served, and he himself surrendered his life for us. Now, this is what happened, guys. Like, pay attention to this part. Jesus was on the cross, okay? At the very moment that he died, as he was breathing his last breath, something crazy happened in Jerusalem. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. This thick curtain, the veil that stood in between the people of God and the presence of God in the temple, was physically and symbolically rendered in two pieces. It was split all the way from top to bottom, just on its own. I don't think it's a coincidence that it just happened to do that as Jesus died. That is why Jesus came. Jesus came to restore relationship, the thing that stood in between us and God, that we were unable to to separate or to remove. Jesus came and He lived the life that we couldn't live, died the life that we deserved to die, so that we could have the reward that He had earned. I have a question. Yeah. So, I know since before Jesus came to earth, if someone passed away before, what happened to those souls? That's a good question. Uh, We can talk about it after after this if you want to. That's a good question. Um, and there, there's an answer for it too. So, um, I think a lot of times, guys, we we forget the impact of what Jesus did. Like we forget the power of what Jesus came and did. We forget what we really deserve. Um, several years ago, when I graduated college, uh, I went to Mozambique to give a year. And uh, and what was really cool is I, I got to 
fully be a part of the culture there. So um, we lived in, in homes like out in the zones or out in the villages. Uh, we, we had Mozambican friends and we would go to the markets together. Going to, to the market was my favorite part because uh, you get to haggle. I like haggling. And, and it was just chaos and mud and all this stuff. Crazy smells. Uh, but I went with a friend, Agnaldo, one time. We went to uh, the, the market. And so there's this, um, this cultural thing. When you go to the market, you just have to be aware of it. Um, like This is how people make their, their livelihood, is by selling things at the market. So they want to earn your business and keep your business. So to do that, they have kind of like this, this loyalty thing with you. So, for instance, if you go to the stand and you order three cans of rice, so they'll have this big pile of rice, and then a little can on top of it, and you'll order three cans. So they'll scoop up three little cans and put it in your bag, and then they'll get a handful of rice and throw it in the bag with it. And you're like, oh, man, I paid for three cans, and I got a little extra. I'm coming back next time. So that's, But the thing is, everyone does it. <laughs> so I'm going, And it's become this expectation. Like, if I get three cans, then I get my three cans and then a handful of rice. So I'm going with Agnaldo through the market, and uh, he orders three cans, and Agnaldo's a little feisty Mozambican anyway, but we're going through the market, and he orders three cans, and the guy gives him one, two, three, and hands the bag over. He takes the bag, and he throws it back, and said, no, like, this isn't right. You've cheated me, and all this stuff. <laughs> and, like, they start arguing in, in Portuguese and all this, and I'm kind of laughing about it. I'm like, but you ordered three cans. Like, <laughs> you ordered three cans of rice. He gave you three cans of rice. What's the problem, man? <laughs> But what has happened was Agnaldo had built up this expectation that he deserved more, or he had paid for more than he really had paid for. Yeah. I think a lot of times we do the same thing. If we really, guys, if we really understand what we have deserved, then what room do we have to complain in our lives? Exactly. You know what the scriptures say? Scripture says that the wages of sin is yeah. death. Yeah. In other words, the thing that we have purchased because of our sin is death. Nothing else but death. The fact that we have anything above death, guess what? It's only by the grace of God. How can we complain about having something above death when it was given to us by grace? Why did Jesus suffer for us? Because we couldn't have earned what Jesus earned. And He loved us so much. That he came down as the king to be a servant and die for us. And even like before we move on, I think it's important, guys, just to quiet ourselves for a minute and just reconnect with what we really deserve. You know, there's there's this song. Uh, you guys ever listen to King's Kaleidoscope? I've heard of it. Love them. Uh, they re- redid the song "How Deep the Father's Love." You know that one? Yeah, I know that song. Okay. This beautiful song, how deep the Father's love for us, uh, how vast beyond our me- all measure, uh, He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. And then one of the other verses says, um, "Break the pain of searing loss." Yeah, what's, what's the other one? Why should I gain? Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. Why should I gain from His reward? I can't give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. That's That's what Isaiah 52, 53 is talking about. That Jesus came, paid a ransom that we couldn't pay. He suffered the death that we should have suffered so that we could share in His reward. 
and have the relationship with God that He earned, He alone earned. And that's humbling, guys. Let's, let's just pray for a second. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before You and not just move past this because like this is point one. Like We want to, to really dig into the truth of, of what it means that you, that you came and You died for us to restore the thing that was lost. Thank You, God, for not being bitter or not being angry towards us. When, when we've rejected You, Lord, that, that You were never angry with us. You only responded in love. You responded in sacrifice. You gave yourself up for us, Lord. And God, help us to never walk in the delusion that we deserve more than we have. That What your word says, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That what we have is a gift from you, Lord. Nothing to be earned. And there's no amount of righteous living that could ever earn it, Lord. So God, help us to turn away from from pursuing religion and begin pursuing the relationship that you paid for. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, that was point one. So here's something interesting to think about. What was the one thing required for a sacrifice? Death, right? Yeah, of the type of sacrifice. But for a sacrifice to be made, it required death. So why... Was it required of Jesus to suffer so much? Jesus could have died a different way. He didn't have to suffer the way he did. So again, here's my question, why? Why did Jesus suffer for us? I think part of the reason is because in this life we suffer. A lot of people will ask this question, like, if God is so good and he's so powerful then, and he doesn't want suffering then why does He allow it to happen? Like, what is God's answer to the suffering in my life? What is God's answer to the suffering in our world? You know what God's answer is? He entered it. He entered into suffering with us as Jesus. You guys know the the difference, and so point two would be that God suffers, or Jesus suffers with us. You guys know the difference between sympathy and empathy? Alright, so... Give me a definition for sympathy. What is sympathy? So sympathy is basically like you feel bad for someone, for something like that happened, but you haven't experienced it yourself. But mm-hmm. empathy, you understand it because you experienced it yourself. You're like, bro, I got you. Yeah, it's like, bro, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great definition. I like it. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so... <coughs> The words come from the Greek word uh, pathos, which means to suffer. So the prefix sim means with. So sympathy means to suffer with. Empathy, the prefix m, means within. So it's to suffer within, okay? The difference is... Uh, sorry, what was your name? Me, Sarah. Me, Sarah. 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 <laughs> Just like Sarah was saying, um, that I can feel bad with you. You know, if something is going on in your life, I can feel bad with you. But it's a different thing to have gone through the same thing with you and to put myself in the exact position that you're in now. That's what Jesus has done for us. Uh, 
when I was a senior in college, um, my dad died of pancreatic cancer. And definitely one of the hardest seasons I had to walk through. Um, he suffered with it for about six years. And uh, like every detail of, of that season of my life was just so vivid. Um, all of the emotions I felt, all the confusion, all the pain I felt, everything was so vivid. This year, years later, uh, one of my best friends, he's on staff with us at UA, um, his dad died of cancer. But the thing is, like, while we all hurt for him, we all stood with him, like, there's a different level of empathy that I can feel for him, you know? I, like, when he sent us a text and said my dad died, I remember sending that text to my friends. Like, I remember the pain and, like, the tears I'm having to look at my phone through to type out what happened. Like, I can put myself in that exact position. I'm not able to just stand beside him. I'm able to suffer it with him, you know? That's what Jesus has done. Isn't that crazy, guys? That because he knows that we suffer and because in this life we will have trials and we will suffer, that Jesus said, well, you know what? I'm going to suffer it with them. I'm going to be with them in it. So that when they're going through this stuff, they will know that they're not alone. That I am with them. There's a, there's a verse in, uh, in Hebrews. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So even in our temptations, guys, like Jesus has experienced that. Did, do you realize that he went into the desert for 40 days? It says that he went into the desert to be tempted. That was his intention going into it. Scripture later reveals that he underwent temptation so that we can endure it. But here in Hebrews it says that, that Jesus endured temptation so that he could em- empathize with us in our temptations. There is nothing, guys, that we can ever go through that Jesus hasn't also gone through himself. Have you guys ever felt betrayed by someone? You know what? Jesus was betrayed by his best friend. He was sold, sold over for basically nothing to be crucified by his best friend. If you guys have ever experienced loss, Jesus has experienced loss. If you've ever ever experienced temptation, Jesus has experienced temptation. There's nothing that you could ever go through that you would be alone in. Jesus is always with you. So He knows our suffering. He knows our suffering better than anyone else does, guys. And He knows it because He chose to lay down His high position to take the low position with us. So, Jesus suffers with us. And I want to encourage you guys, if if any of you guys are going through something right now that is hard, is difficult, confusing, be encouraged that you're not alone. And and Jesus doesn't just feel sorry for you, you know? Jesus is with you. Man, Jesus is even more in this than you are. (laughs) Of course He cares for you. Let me read this to you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-5. through 5, If you want to write it down. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and to the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Why did Jesus suffer? So that he could comfort us in our suffering. Jesus suffers with us. So, if you're going through anything like that, be encouraged. Jesus understands you, he's with you. And so we know that Jesus suffered for us. We know that he suffers with us. And everything comes to its climax in the third point here. Uh, I want you guys to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. start in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Verse 3. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father." The last thing is this, that Jesus suffered to show us, to show us, to show us what? How to suffer. Jesus came and served us to teach us how to be servants. Jesus came and he took the low road and invited us to take the low road with him. You realize that I believe that everything that Jesus does, everything that Jesus did in Scripture, comes with an invitation to us. Everything that that Jesus himself did comes with an invitation to come and do likewise. Because Jesus wasn't just talking about this external kingdom of God, you guys should go over here and do this kingdom of God thing. No, this is what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. Come, follow me. Be a part of the kingdom of God with me. Leave all of those other things behind as I've left everything else behind. Come, follow me. Follow me even into death. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Jesus invites us. And he even tells his disciples, like, all the miracles you see me do, man, you guys are going to be able to do even greater things than what you've seen me do. Amen. The disciples I've made, you guys can go and make disciples too. Like there's nothing, I guess that means that we can go into churches and make a cord of 
or like a whip and start driving people out of churches and flipping over tables if we don't like what's going on? Because that's what Jesus did. Probably not. It's probably more of an invitation to the holier things like uh, laying our lives down and stuff like that. Jesus invites us. There's an invitation. And when Jesus came and He suffered, He took the position of servant. That He was inviting us to do the same thing. And what this is saying in Philippians is as Jesus has done, and even because Jesus has done this, because Jesus, even though He was God, didn't consider His position with God something to be used to His advantage, He stepped down and took the lowest position possible, died the most humiliating death possible, and then invited us to not look to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of others, just as He has done for us. What I want to point out to you guys is this. This is very contradictory to what our world tells us is successful, right? The, like the trajectory of our lives in our society is very different than the trajectory that, that Christ has for us within the kingdom of God. Like think about where you guys are, the position that you guys are in, in your life. You're in college. You're studying hard so that you can get a good degree, that you can go and make some good money, so you can give your kids everything that they want. You can be comfortable. You don't have to worry about anything. You can have financial security. You can have happiness, self-preservation, all these things. Like That's what the American dream has taught us to buy into, right? Mm-hmm. You buy into the white picket fence, the two-story house, uh, the Joanna Gaines interior, and... <laughs> Uh, two and a half kids. That's how, that's how it works, I guess. That's what the American dream has told us to buy into. Try to climb as high as you can before you die. That's what it's telling us. And yeah, sure, after you die, nothing matters about your position. It doesn't matter how high you climb. Once you die, it's over. But still, just for the heck of it, climb as high as you can. That's what the world is asking of us. What Jesus is asking of us is something different. See how low you can go. See how low you can get. I want you to take the, the position of a servant. You say that in this world, like, my life goal is to be a servant. Well, then, then you're a loser, you know? Like, you have no aspirations, you have no goals. This is the life that Jesus has called us into, guys. And there's a question that comes up in this. Well, what about me? Like, you're asking me to, to give myself away to other people. And that's great. Like, that's, that's really nice. But how can I save for myself if I'm giving my money away to people who need it? How can I ever pay off my, uh, my student loans if I'm off in Indonesia being a missionary for the rest of my life? How am I going to do this stuff? Like, you have to think about that, right? That's wisdom, you know? People will tell you that. People tell me that all the time. (laughs) Well, you have to think about uh, your future. You have to be prepared, and I agree. But you know what I think? I think a lot of times when you look at wisdom, hiding behind it, you will find fear. Because really what it is, is we're afraid to trust that God can take care of our finances. We're afraid to trust that if I go on that mission trip this summer, that, that I will still be on a good track next semester. 
I'm afraid that God can still take care of my, of my, uh, my grades. He can still set me up for a good degree. I'm scared to trust Him with that. Can I just have that control? I think fear is what motivates us a lot of times, guys. And it's also fear that keeps us from walking in relationship with God. It's what John says. First John says that fear and love, they're like oil and water. They can mix. That, yeah, they can't mix. Perfect love drives out fear. They don't exist in the same room. If fear is motivating you, then love is not motivating you. If you're too afraid for what will become of your life, if you were to surrender it and live for other people, then you will never love other people the way that Jesus does. And you will never love Jesus and have this this relationship with Jesus that He has for you. You will never know the fullness of that. Yeah, it's, it's a little dangerous. It's a little reckless. It's a little scary. But this upside-down kingdom, you know what I think? I think a lot of times, or I, I think the truth of it is that the kingdom of God is not upside-down. I think we are upside-down. I think the kingdom of God is normal. That's how we were created to exist. We were created to exist not, not for ourselves, but for others. We were created not to look after our own interests, but to look after the interests of others. And I know that how counterculture that sounds. Because like, when you get on a plane, you hear, like we have the, the whole like, before you offer assistance to your neighbor, make sure that your, your face mask is firmly yeah. secured, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true for airplanes. It's probably not that true for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because if we go our whole lives thinking, I have to make sure that I have enough money before I can give it away, we'll never give anything away. That's true. That's right. So what about me? What will happen if I, if I live the rest of my life to serve other people around me? If I, what if I give up my career, like the, the path that I'm on? What if I give that up to be a missionary somewhere else? What would happen? How would, how would I be taken care of? And isn't it obvious? Yes. Jesus. Wouldn't Jesus continue to take care of us? Yes. Jesus, the one who laid down his life to die for us, wouldn't he surely like take care of us? Sure. <coughs> Even the way that Romans says is that won't he surely give us all things? Like Jesus knows what we need. He will take care of us. If we would just trust him with it. Uh, it's kind of like, like a river or a stream. The nature of, of the stream is to go down, is to flow down, right? We wouldn't walk up to a stream that's flowing up a hill and say, I guess I've been wrong about water this whole time. Like, this, this is the way it is. Like, this would be an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. We know how water is supposed to flow. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, the anomaly is, is living to go higher. That is not the way that Jesus has designed us to live. He has called us to step down and down and down, further and further and further. Until we become so small that no one can see us anymore. That there's no reputation for us to be offended over anymore. We don't have a reputation anymore. We've given that right up. Like, my feelings, they're only important to me and Jesus. I don't care if anyone else knows how hurt I am. I've given that up. I want you guys to think about this. What would it look like? What would it look like if your life 
was modeled after Jesus' life. If you became a servant, as Jesus was a servant, what Scripture promises is even though we become smaller and smaller, that, that Jesus never loses sight of us. We never become smaller to Him. Because what, what is said is that God exalts those who humble themselves. It's like our, the rest of our lives, man. It, it's supposed to be like wrestling to get further and further down. And like we're, we're trying to get down and down. And God's like, oh, I see you. Here, come back up here. We're like, oh, no, but I want to go down and down and down. Like the rest of our lives should be the struggle to go lower and lower and lower. Man, guys, that's the way that we were created to live. That's the way we were created to exist. Think about what would happen on, on your campus. What if just this entire room were to live 100, 100% the way that Philippians 2 asked us to live? What would happen? What would happen on your campus? I believe that we would see a great student awakening on our campuses. I believe that we could see the Great, uh, great Commission fulfilled in our generation, in our lifetime. Will it, will it include some cost? Yeah, absolutely, it'll include a little cost. Is it worth it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, let me read a scripture to you guys, and I want to read one more thing to you before we, we head out. First John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's right. Because Christ has laid His life down for us, now we ought to do the same. Uh, so for, to the one who suffered for us, the one who suffers with us, the only thing that is left is now for us to follow suit, is to do the same, to serve and lay our lives down. I want to read something to you guys. This is a poem that comes from a book called Hind's Feet on High Places. Anyone heard of that? Okay. Um, my wife is reading it, so she'll read me a little excerpt every now and then. But this is a poem she read me. Um, it's, it's called The Water Song. So it's like the song that the water is singing as it's flowing down. Why don't you listen to this? Come, oh come, let us away. Lower, lower every day. Oh, what joy it is to race down to find the lowest place. This, the dearest law we know, it is happy to go low. Sweetest urge and sweetest will, let us go down lower still. Hear the summons night and day, calling us to come away. From the heights we leap and flow to the valleys down below, always answering to the call to the lowest place of all. Sweetest urge and sweetest pain, to go low and rise again. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for suffering for us and uh, for everything that you have done. And thank you, Lord, for, for inviting us into relationship with you and making it possible for us to have that relationship. Jesus, help us to, to walk uh, in the way that Philippians 2 asks us to, to live that out, to not, not live for ourselves anymore, but to live, live for those around us to become servants of, of the kingdom of God, to live for you, and, and then to die to ourselves, to lay ourselves down for the people around us. Teach us what it looks like to lower ourselves, Lord.
And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.